What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Miss Reps Podcast. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. My name's Kanal, and I'm here with Adam. How you doing, man? I'm good. Uh, how was your Christmas, buddy? It was good. I ate way too much, and of you know, course, I think course. I woke. I had to sleep a full 24 hours. To no, no I basically <laughs> had to hibernate to get out of that food coma. How about you? Um, same. Well, we had like stuff like gumbo. I was in. I was in Houston. Had gumbo and stuff like that with the family. It was really good. Got to see everyone. Got to. Got some good gifts, um, the typical stuff. Like I got a good set of like Star Wars glass cups and stuff like that. So, you know, things of that nature just to say now I can say I have the good cups for when the guests come by. It's like, bring out the good cups, honey. You know, <laughs> Bring out the China. <laughs> bring out the China. And the China is like Mandalorian uh, Mandalorian cups. So, yeah, it, it's, it's been really good. And also with having this whole week off as we're doing this recording, it's been nice to get away from work for a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. rest, rejuvenate, and play video games. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a that sounds like a solid retreat for you. <laughs> of course, of course, man. Yeah, but well, uh, you want to get right into Seahawks? No, but no. we have to. So, <laughs> well, I mean, we you can't say that this game came out as a surprise. We both we both picked Seahawks to come out and win, but we we knew that Chiefs were probably gonna gonna come out with this one. So, Chiefs won twenty four ten. Where do you want to start, bud? Um. I think on the overall kind of perspective, I just want to say that, like, I thought this was going to be like a, you know, 48 to three or no, 48 to seven or maybe 10 and stuff like that. But 24 to 10, that's that's kind of I, I got to see some of the game. So it's like, oh, 24 to 10. That's actually like it, we we could have gotten into the game and stuff like that. But, you know, clearly, I think from what I saw and even looking at the stats that the offense was letting us down this week rather than defense per, uh, per se. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a fair assessment, which is kind of weird seeing how things have been going. But uh, let's start out with the offense, right? Um, first thing that we saw was you know it's good to see K nine top hundred yards again because that was a long time coming. If you're watching that first half, you didn't think it was going to happen. Yeah, I, I, that's really good that we're running the ball and we can have a one hundred yard just from one person, not just like oh as a you know in total the Seahawks rushed over a hundred yards. Like no, I want to hear it from one player. And then we can go from there. So it's really good to see K9 back in his ankles well. But um, that little tidbit of like not scoring our first touchdown until late in the fourth quarter, that's um, that's that's kind of bad there. Yeah, it seems it's, this seems to be a troubling trend with us is that we kind of uh, well, the excuse has been for like the previous games, you know, the defense kind of dug us into a hole or, you know, we couldn't stop a run or anything like that. But this was one of those situations where. We've had this issue in the red zone, you know, throughout the season. It's kind of like well known, you know. There's a statistic which is like red red zone conversion rate. Mm-hmm. It's meaning, you know, how many trips into the red zone do you convert in, into touchdowns? And Seahawks were like one of the worst teams at that. And so when it came when it came to it, I think that's what broke us down. Um, prime example being, you know, I mean, we couldn't get much going in the first half, but you know, the final drive to end the first half ended on the uh, Chiefs' one yard line. And yeah. we kicked the field goal. Yeah, and, and even with Gino, um, like I, I know we can still work with Gino. I think this is just some of the stuff that he needs to take in hand for himself and with the offense and with Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator and all, and just, you know, start, you know, at least getting down and getting back to like the basics, if anything. Cause like I still remember when, when like Gino first came out in those first what, like eight weeks, uh, nine weeks, even with the loss, the losses we had then when we were six and three. Do, like all those short passes we did, and if not, let me, let's run the ball because when the deep when he did do deep throws, they were really nice. But that's just because you're doing everything you're supposed to do prior to those deep throws to for them to open up. So it's really 
you know, now that we're just kind of getting into like a frustrating corner of now we're just a seven and eight team now, but that's not bad considering we're other teams that are at seven and eight right now, which is like the, who was it? like the jets, the lions, even Patriots. green Bay. Yeah. Green Bay too. And stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's really just, it's really good to say like, I mean, don't get me wrong. The last like five, six weeks right now when we're just constantly losing sucks in general, but like the whole grand scheme of things is just that like, at the very least, even when talking with, you know, with some family members, you know, it's not Seattle Seahawks have actually like they have rise above than what people thought we were going to do. Again, we people thought we we're going to have like maybe four wins at best. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would have been nice to have two top five picks, but then trying to like, you know, sit through a season like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, it's always fun to. uh What's the, what's the uh, Twitter account or the Instagram account? It's like not so hot takes or something like that where people, uh, where they just bring back people's predictions from like the beginning of the season and stuff like that. And my favorite ones are like usually where like, uh, I think it was Colin Cowherd was saying that Seahawks were going to be like a two win team this season because they're running with Geno Smith at quarterback, just the amount of disrespect. And now Geno Smith is a pro bowler with the season, yeah. even without the season went or whether, however it ends up, you, we still ended up with pro bowlers. We still ended up with, at the very least, you give a blueprint of, hey, this is your players on, on to build around on offense and defense, which yeah, is really sure. good to see. I can't I can't stress enough how important it was the the full season of experience that both Abe Lucas and Charles Cross got at their respective tackle positions as rookies. And so mm-hmm. they they got front hand experience and they they balled out. You know, I think they've. I think they've started giving up sacks, you know, at this stage of the season. But I think that more comes down to the offensive line just being kind of gassed. I mean, Mm -hmm. you kind of see it a lot where, you know, it just seems like they don't have that step. But I think that's just a thing that happens, right? Yeah, I think some, you know, just more time, just more time to cook behind the scenes, put in more work and stuff like that. But yeah, like Charles Cross, really, I really love that pick. I love him as a player. He's been doing really good at the left tackle. Like it's in all honesty. Some some sacks late in the season is not, but it's not egregious. Like, oh man, he gave up like five sacks or something like that. Not to the point where we're like we're questioning him with that mm. pick, but it's more just like, oh wow, you, you telling me he hasn't given up a sack until what week? <laughs> yeah, and so. you know, I think uh, I think the good thing about these statistics that people are taking now are they're attributing they're they're trying to read more into the numbers that they're seeing. Like sack numbers don't actually mean that the offensive line is playing bad because some of those stati- some of those sacks could be because of the quarterback, you know, like when we had Russ. True. Um, so, you know, the, they, they now see, I think they're doing a better job now of attributing sacks to certain players like, oh, he missed his block or, you know, he got manhandled, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And, you know, those two rookies are doing phenomenal. But, you know, if anything out of the season, we know where we have studs at wide out, we have studs at tight end, we have studs as the bookends of our, of our offensive line. We have a stud mm-hmm. running back. We have a good leader in – and Gino to, to guide them, but we need help at like the, the interior offensive line. I think that's where, I think that's where we're, we're struggling right now, especially yes. at the center and right guard position. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. just gets, and that just becomes more and more apparent every week. Right. Yeah. Even, um, some of the, you know, some of the news media from Seattle have been started to do their, uh, their mock drafts, which we'll, we'll get our mock drafts in. I want, I think I want both of us to do like our own share of mock drafts on that interactive mm-hmm. one where you can actually do trades or accept trades of anything. I want, I think we're going to, I want us to do an activity like that going forward. We're definitely going to show everyone what that looks like too, like mm-hmm. from each of our takes, but 
uh, yeah, center and right guard, we definitely need to at least throw, I wouldn't say our first, not, I can't say first three picks, but like, I think maybe like a second or third, a late second and then third round can go to like the end, the, our interior offensive line, because you're right. We do need, I need, I need new blood there and not yeah. just a vet to throw in just to see, cause that's what we did with both the center and the right guard, throw a vet in there and just make sure and hope, you know, hope and pray that it works out. I'd rather just get some like two solid uh, tackles and you know, like we have, we got two solid tackles and now we can actually build around them. Right. Yeah. Um, some actually, I've, I've seen some people from, uh, I think who was it like Nemhauser, I think was saying, that in the current draft, there's not a lot of centers or guards. And he was saying, I wonder if there's some tackles that we can take, like that we can draft and then convert them to a guard or something like, like for the guard position center, mm-hmm. you're just gonna have to see what centers are in there. Cause it doesn't seem like there's a lot, but yeah. And, and, and get a little something. The first thing I looked into was to see who the, what the center and, and guard market was for mm-hmm. this off, upcoming off season. And you have some big names. Well, first off, like Austin Blythe and Kyle Fuller are, our two centers are both free agents after the season. And so um, we're definitely going to be in the market for a center come, come the off season. You have your big names out there. Like I saw Jason Kelsey, but you know, names like that, they're, they're going to stay where they are just because Jason Kelsey is like a, an Eagle through and through. Um, Unless but, the Eagles know, say something different, but I don't think you're going to just let Jason Kelsey go your best cent like offensive linemen. Once you have them pay them. Yeah. Cause you know, it's, I mean, that's what, Pittsburgh did for so many years, right? Like with Mar- Marquise or Maurice Pouncey. I can't remember which which brother Pouncey. it was. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was. It was one of the Pouncey brothers. But, um, you know, and, and the other linemen that they had around there. And you just, that's your foundation for success. So we know that this upcoming draft and, you know, upcoming offseason, that's the, the area we need to invest in. And and I think for like funsies, like experiment, probably go and pick up. This is late round stuff. Go look at some other wide receivers. Um, oh, yeah. I think we have a good, like, top four but it doesn't hurt to have like a fifth to have to like fill in when someone's down or something like that you know because uh i think we you know with i don't know how far how long tyler lockett's gonna going to go but with how he's playing he'll stay in for like another maybe few years or something like that if not plus um dk metcalf is that's our that's our wide receiver one and he's been very productive as of, i think he's like his past five seasons i said this in the last episode but past five seasons he had over like what 900 yards every season and a certain number of touchdowns for the past five. So like in terms of being, you know, being productive and stuff like that, he's doing his thing. Uh, Of course, for Tyler Lockett as well. I love that Tyler Lockett got the success he has gotten this season alone. Like watching him get a touchdown in each game. It's, it's, it was warms my heart because I want people to know Tyler Lockett. Again, I have this man as a Christmas ornament for the Christmas tree. Like there's like, I, I, if there is a DK Metcalf one, you know, let me know. But, um, you know, I really love like our top, like our wide receiver one and two duo. I love that. And then we just need to find the wide receiver. Well, no, we technically have a wide receiver three, although it's been kind of we've been switching that position here and there with some other players. But um, Goodwin has been solid. Um, so hopefully we can keep Goodwin for like another few years with Gino, because that's been that's been working well, too, outside of the uh, the duo themselves. But other than that, you know, maybe. For like, look around and see what uh, we can pick up another wide receiver to uh to kind of step up in that wide receiver four and maybe five position. Because I, I forget someone how that, many someone that hold. can take over the reins, you know, come down, you know, come two three years down the road, kind of thing. Yeah. Like it's kind of like what we were hoping D. S. Gridge would turn into, but he's just kind of had injury problems and that kind of thing. You know that 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 guy you don't have to actually start week one because you know you're not investing week one 
uh, draft capital or of you know, offseason you know, yeah. capital in him. Mm-hmm. So other than that, though, uh, offense, I think we just need to like reload more so than just rebuild it. But now defense, definitely, it's going to be a bit of a rebuild. But with, in terms of the game with the Chiefs, I see that we kept him under 300 yards, which was really surprising. Yeah, I didn't expect that to happen because I thought Isaiah Pacheco or Jarek McKinnon has just been running wild over everybody these last few weeks. He's been like really hot. Um, he was. They were both relatively held in check. I think they had less than. Um, I think they had less than sixty to seventy yards rushing. Which is, if you were telling me this last week, you know, I would be like, thank God. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, um, yeah, it, it was a it was a weird situation, and maybe you know it could have been one of those things where you know they didn't really have to go out there and and sling the ball around or you know draw up anything creative because they already had that lead. Because you know, come. You know, come the fourth quarter, uh, the score was seventeen to three, and um, you know, with five minutes left, the score went up twenty four to three. Before mm-hmm. uh, a couple minutes later, the Seahawks scored their touchdown. So they were never; it was never really in question whether um, and whether they they were controlling the game or not. But you know, it was it was a it was surprising nonetheless. Didn't um, Jonathan Abram play in this game? Did you see him out there? Yeah, I saw him out there. He kind of got smoked a couple times, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just because, like, I mean, that's your you've only been with the team for how long in terms of yeah. learning this defense, and then at least he got out there because I think Jonathan Abram can actually be that box, that other box safety, box safety besides Ryan Neal and Jamal Adams. But I see that they're putting him as a free safety rather than a strong safety, so we'll see how that works out. But I I have seen that they're trying to keep him in the box because he's just a bam bam uh, safety at the end of the day so yeah i think um, ryan neal is going to get a lot of money th- this off season so that's um it's good, so. to get, it's good to get that uh that backfilled you think he's like, going to be like the most paid like backup safety uh he's i'm not i don't think i think he's going to get paid like starter money somewhere else i think that's probably oh, you think gonna oh you think he's going to leave see how like we're going to let him go yeah because then... he's gonna he's gonna command that kind of money because he he's like in PFF, I think uh, by PFF ranking, he's one of the top strong safeties in the league, and he's getting paid mm. like you know practice squad money type of thing. Right. Yeah, he is gonna. Yeah, because it's either he's either gonna have to accept a if he wants to stay at the Seahawks. Just saying, he will have to accept a discount, the team discount, or go and just test free agency. Which I rather just test free agency and start because he deserves to be a he deserves to start. But we have Jamal Adams still, so. Yeah. I mean, glass half full, if he commands like, you know, top dollar, then, you know, that's a comp pick that comes our way. So um, I think we we might even move Jonathan Abram behind Jamal Adams. Then in that case, that's probably why we can also let Ryan Neal go. Yeah. That. So I think that's what we're going to do. I have a question for you, though, with our defense, because, uh, you know, we kind of went on a little rant, not rant, but a little tidbit <laughs> on like the offense in terms of what to do for the offseason draft or otherwise. I've seen a lot, even in the Seattle media, I've seen people start to consider spending a higher pick on another corner what is your thoughts on that uh to compliment Tariq Woolen yes because some of them have been saying so let me just wrap let me just give context some of them have been saying that for the left corner position so Tariq Woolen for everyone that doesn't know he's the right cornerback so he's on the right side of the field and then the left side of the field is taken over by uh Mike Jackson some people have said that we love Mike Jackson but he's he's not the one for that position or Trey Brown. They haven't seen, cause I know they rotated the fact that you're rotating um, Trey Brown and Mike Jackson in that corner position is also telling that 
they don't know if they have someone solid in that position to just start them anymore compared to where Mike Jackson was holding it down the beginning of the season. So uh, that's kind of where that was coming from. I just want to know your thoughts on that. I can't say how high of a pick, mind you. I'm just saying if we, you know, put a like maybe in the first two rounds, maybe or something like that, go get a corner. I given given all the the so when I when I look at the at improving a team in an off season, the first things I look at are the biggest gaps that we have, right? And at that right corner position, I wouldn't say it's one of it isn't or sorry, the left corner position. I wouldn't say that that is a position of dire need compared to other places on the on the field. You're correct. So I would. I'm, I'm agreeing with you on that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, and you know we our soul has been crushed by just teams that just run us to the ground, or us not being able to run teams into the ground. Mm-hmm. And so you know, if we want to draft a corner, corners are the one things that we can draft. So I wouldn't mind, um, you know, using like a fourth round pick on on a corner just to add depth, add competition, mm-hmm. or maybe a, a late third type of thing. Um, but there's too many goddamn holes on that team that we need to fill at the defensive line and linebackers. Right, position too. right. Which I think we all know that that number three. So right now, our for everyone to know, our current picks are at number three. Like we're getting close to solidifying our pick to be number three, and our actual pick is at number is at twelve now. So with that being said, at twelve, I think that's why also people are saying that we we can actually put that twelfth pick to a corner. They're not saying that number three, go to a corner, but number like uh, our second first round pick should go to a corner and then you do whatever you want to do with this, uh, the two second round picks that we have. That's, that's what right. some people have done in their mock drafts. This is all like their opinions, by the way, but that's what they were doing with it that, being in number 12. That's actually an interesting way of looking at it too. Cause if you're doing it like by a best player available, like if you're at 12 and like, you know, you your needs are positions that are ranked, you know, like 50th and 60th on like other people's draft boards. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really make sense. So in that situation, yeah, you would probably draft a corner or you, or you would trade down and get more picks. Facts, which I'm, I'm I think they're either going to do one of those two for 12, because it, at first when it was lower, right, it was, when it was like at 15 and above, like getting close to the 20s at the time when we were winning and stuff like that. That's where like, you know, put that towards maybe another some someone else. Uh, not besides corner on defense that we have holes at, but at 12, you're kind of in the ballpark to kind of catch one of those corners that someone didn't pick up if they haven't been picked up already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. that's a, that's a, that's a valid point. And it, it, it just kind of comes down to what the draft board looks like come the off season. Facts. Facts. But yeah, especially for me, what we do, especially yeah. what we do with free agency. I don't know what we're going to do there. Yeah. Cause like a, a lot of our free agent signings just haven't panned out recently. I mean, Noosu has been a knockout signing for us, but you know, for every Noosu, we all have like, you know, four or five players that are just kind of middling. Yeah. Facts. So other than that, that was just like my only thing on that front in terms of like, consider that second first round pick going to a corner to like, we know that Tariq Woolen, you're holding that spot yeah. hands down. Like you have that, you know, corner, like CB one spot. We just need a CB two. And I guess Kobe Bryant, well, no, not Kobe Bryant, but like Trey Brown or Mike Jackson aren't like holding it down, especially when we were actually rotating them these past uh, some games. So when you see someone rotating a particular position like that, not D-line, mind you, because they actually have to have rotations, but something like, you know, oh, we're rotating our guards out and we're rotating our one of our corner positions. That kind of shows that like ah, we're not fully confident that Mike Jackson will be in this role for like the foreseeable future or like, you know, 
we need so basically we need someone to pair with Tariq Woolen, but I don't want us to get caught in the weeds and miss out on other players, especially with that second pick of yeah. in our first round going at being at number twelve. But it's a thought nonetheless. If, if there is that you know if that Jalen Ramsey type of profile comes through the door and you know oh, as, take him please you know that's that that'll, i mean i use the extreme example because obviously jalen ramsey went like number four overall or something crazy right. like that but you know if you have like i think jc horn is a good example i think jc horn he's for the panthers he was like around 10 or something like that and he was he's actually a very good corner actually unfortunately i think he's injured for the rest of the season mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but um you know if that kind of profile comes through and you know if, as long as they fit into, into the the new scheme that we're trying to play with moving forward I got no problem with it, but I I think I what I foresee is that the the team will probably, if the if the second pick is relatively high and a team is willing to trade like a lot of capital, you know they'll see the capital and they'll they wouldn't they won't think twice. Well, that's if we want to trade that number three's pick, right? But like we can't. I think someone said we can trade number three, but don't go. I'm trying. I'm looking at Tankathon right now. <laughs> they said trade three, but don't go below. I think it was like don't go below five. Yeah. Like, uh, and you know, some, actually, so yeah, whenever we brought up these trading scenarios where I say like we should trade down number three, that that is the exact situation that I'm thinking of, you know, because uh, what's the Alabama guy's name? Williams? Will Anderson Jr.? Will, Will Anderson, Will Anderson Jr. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, I think he's the second best defensive player on a lot of people's boards. First, which it's first it, him and then Jalen Carter. Okay, that's how yeah. I've, I've mostly seen it. Now, it could okay. be different than everyone else's boards, but. That's yeah, I, I've seen them like interchangeably, but I think it's start, maybe starting to round out a little bit now. But mm-hmm. what I mean is that, you know, if you need if you need a guy in either of those positions and you can trade down from three to five and still get your guy because, you know, there are going to be teams at the top of the, the board. Gotta be that careful taking... because Arizona is at four right yeah. now. So I think that's I think what they said was they don't want to go below four or something like that. But which is like so you're saying unless Arizona trades for number three or something, but uh it is it's it's iffy oh because jj watt did retire it is going oh this is like an early but jj watt is going to retire from arizona cardinals after the season's done we'll talk about that more in a second with that being said i think arizona's in the in the market for an edge at this stage too actually you know i think it's not d line i think I, that, that's a good point too actually i think lions are probably in the market for defensive players as well um because mm-hmm. i think they're going all in on the on the jared goff train with you know um with the with the with the weapons that they have, well, remember they have the top two uh, rookie edge rushers, so technically they have um, two good rushers on that team, right? Um, but why stop about, there? <laughs> but why stop there? Just that, that, add more to the D line. It, it would actually is, be something where it's like Detroit in that in like a nasty defense. I can see that, but going from seven to three, you have to give like a whole bucket load of picks for that. Oh yeah, I forgot that uh, Rams won this week, so their their pick went down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, but like you know that that is the uh, that is the Niners' playbook in terms of drafting, right? They'll just keep Facts. drafting and drafting and drafting, and then all of a sudden you're dealing with monsters on the <laughs> on, on the D line. But why and not? It, why not the Seahawks? That's what I'm saying. We got to start here, and I, honestly, I'm just on the I'm on the train of just like get our defense back to where it was. So then, when we finally, however we want to do it, put a quarterback that we think is the one in there. We can at least just try to make a uh, make a trip to this uh, Super Bowl. So, yeah. Um, but that's all back... I have to say on the defense for me personally. That's all I have to say on the defense. I'm proud of them what they did to the Chiefs to keep them under 300 yards. Our offense just couldn't, you know, keep up. Unfortunately, I did see some. Actually, I did see some highlights of like the missed tackles from like Jordan Brooks again. But I feel like that's just kind of like the growing pain. 
um, for him in that position where like you need to be that general. And this is one of those like you need to be that general and make those decisions. I'm not saying you can be right 100 percent of the time, but like, man, you got to get some of those tackles if you were in the area for it. Yeah, it's just it just kind of comes down to fundamentals. And that's the thing I think people are hitting on. I think I brought it up last week as well, where uh, where I think I saw in a couple possessions, they put Cody Barton in as that more um, that more of the the general type of um, middle linebacker with with the um, Jordan Brooks as the uh, kind of like the destroyer that goes in and takes out the middle of the field, depending on, you know, which which way the play is going. Um, maybe that's the uh, way that it goes moving forward because you know in the three four you do have two middle linebackers like a, a weak a weak mic and a, a strong mic so mm-hmm. um, at least until because um, you know Cody Barton's a free agent this upcoming season and that's if we go in and like try to draft a, a linebacker pretty high as well or yeah. go get another one yeah and that's that's that'll be a, that'll be interesting um, yeah, we have to watch for that because we've had issues with. Not well, so we know there's issues on the D line, and like of course they get past the the first line of defense, but that second line of defense in terms of those short to uh, intermediate passing plays, that's been hurting us too recently. Yeah, for sure. It's not like it's not. Uh, I mean, big plays aren't the the big plays that are happening against us aren't over the top. It's just them running through our defense, like you know, like George Miss Kittle's tackles. touchdowns, <laughs> like George Kittle's touchdowns, like yeah. a couple plays back or a couple mm-hmm. weeks back, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, missed tackles. I think that's why people are kind of souring on Mike Jackson a little bit because he does. I mean, at the beginning of the season, he was laying down hard hits and stuff like that, like that bam, bam kind of player. But, you know, in in soft coverage, when he's playing off ball, you know, he has to come up and tackle someone. It's kind of like a crapshoot. And Quandre Diggs has been another name that's been kind of associated with that, too. Yeah. I mean, he throws his entire body into a tackle and that'll take its toll. But, um, you know, there are times where he he had the opportunity of, you know, closing down plays before before they became big ones and you know that didn't happen so first thing i think they're probably going to focus on in the offseason are those core fundamentals of positioning and um, tackling and if they can't and they'll hopefully they can find the cream of the crop yeah yeah and um, i'm with you on that one so i mean overall i think yeah will disley is out for the season with a knee injury but of course we still got two other tight ends to take it up Hopefully, Will Disley. I hope it's nothing serious. Was it anything um, like it wasn't ACL related? Was it? They've or been ki- it... they've been kind of quiet on it, which has got me a little worried. Uh, because if it's another ACL tear and stuff like that, because he's had it on both of his knees already, so it's one of those things where like an injury can like mess up the rest of his career. So we'll see how that happens and uh, see how that works out. I see Abe Lewis is also dealing with some like a tendon injury as well. So. We'll see how that goes for the last two games because these last two games are crucial for us with uh, um, with the next goal well, because we're still actually in the playoff picture. We literally just we literally need to win out these new these two, next two games, you know, uh, with the well, with the next one being the Jets. Yeah. And, you know, the Jets are um, starting Mike White next week, which is unfortunate for us because <laughs> Zach Wilson, <laughs> Zach Wilson kind of got benched for a practice. I wanted Zach Wilson week. to start against us. <laughs> and, and you know, the, the, given the context of what the jets are dealing with, you know, the jets were pretty much what we were um, actually oh, yeah. the jets and us, which is, which, which would be a terrible like uh, connection to make previously, but the jets have been so good this year, uh, at least on the defensive side of things. I mean, we had the same record, I think at the midway point, or maybe they might've had been seven and two and we were six and three. And yeah. they've also had a huge fall from grace. Um, and so, you know, they're 
they're also seven and eight as as us as well so they had like a good first half and then the second well the only difference is our problems is the you know our offense being inconsistent as of late as well as our defense just giving up crucial like crucial plays and stuff like that for the jets it's just been a quarterback problem as well as losing their um their offensive running back rookie running back yeah, and Brees Hall was balling out before he tore his ACL. Ooh, he was balling, but like uh, I, I didn't. I personally would have liked for him to have a full season. Personally, I don't care what the situation is with us right now, but like, man, that sucks. But we'll yeah, see how he sure. comes back from it. Yeah, and so like you said, Jets need to win both their games, and uh, Patriots need to lose one game for either. So Patriots play Miami or Buffalo. So if Patriots lose one and Jets lose bo- or win both of their games, they're back in the playoffs. So they're going to come swinging for this one. Cause uh, you got to believe a Robert Sala coach team is out there ready to just punch but them hey, in the face. The Seahawks are trying to swing for a playoff chance too. Cause we're both in it. So we're just, we're just swinging bats and seeing who's going to give in first. Yeah. And that's all you can do. Hopefully our defense, the same defense I played last week shows up this week, because if they do, then we got a fighting chance. Facts. And hopefully Gino and the, and the offense can get it together. Yeah. Uh, I think that's all we had about last week's or, you know, the Seahawks. Do you want do you want to go around the league? Let's start it off around the league because the first we have some big stories. Um, some retirements have happened like J.J. Watt. But let's talk about what's happening in uh, in Bronco country. You let's know? ride. <laughs> let's ride. Right. So Hackett, Nathaniel Hackett has been fired. Um, And that's I mean, that's I mean, have we we've all been expecting this. I know you have some details on that, but like I think this is just like from my side, we've all been expecting the firing to happen, especially with how the games have been going, because like, you know, there's not much of an improvement you can do into next season with this head coach. So they could easily fire him because you can't just drop Russell Wilson. It's going to it's going to break your your salary cap. So here we are. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that everybody kind of knew was going to happen. It was just sooner or later. It was, I think, I think, uh, I think getting roasted by Patrick Starr kind of was the breaking point for the Walmart family. I was family. just showing my fiance that clip, and it was basically when Russell Wilson. So for those that didn't watch that game, it was basically like, you know, the typical game that happens on Nickelodeon, and Patrick Starr was actually commenting alongside the other color commenters. So now it was when Russell threw a pick, and he was like, "Oh no, it's a, it's an interception." And they were like, "Oh, you're pretty close." And da 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 da. He was like, "And th- Russ, Russ did not want to cook that. That's not what he wanted to cook." <laughs> I was cracking up so hard. <laughs> what oh, a savage! Man. Savage. But yeah, so you know, now that they're in the situation, um, it just Hackett. I think you know now that it's pretty much the the Hackett chapter is open and shut it just kind of seemed he didn't know what he was doing right from the get-go he didn't he, i don't think he ever had command of that locker room i don't think he ever had command or he was ready for the situation i think the broncos probably hired him because they were hoping to get aaron Rodgers in the offseason mm-hmm. and that that's probably why they they went out and hired hackett and they just kind of try to match a, a square peg to a circle hole type of thing but yeah. george Patton, the gm for for the broncos he believes that Russell Wilson is "quote unquote" fixable, meaning that he thinks it's part of the long-term strategy solution. And you know, I mean, ultimately, uh, you would hope in an, uh, in a healthy organization, you know, a new coach comes in and the the coach and the GM can get on the same page. And if the coach says, "Hey, this is not going to work," then you know, maybe they'll figure out something. Mm-hmm. But as far as what Patton sees, he sees that he sees Russell as part of the future and maybe having a better coach that fits him mm-hmm. as the. Um, um, long-term solution but in the meantime he's replaced by uh, 
Jerry Roseberg, who, if you don't recall, the Broncos hired after the first week, after game, after week one or week two, it might have been, mm-hmm. to uh, due to Nathaniel Hackett's inability to coach <laughs> to coach with the clock. <laughs> so they they replaced like a guy that they brought in mid, like you know, after the season started. And you know, with regards to us, um, you know, it it's possible that you know when when a, whenever a new manager or sorry a new uh, um, coach comes in, you know, the the team tries typically to play a little bit better. I mean, you've seen that actually kind of funnily enough with like the Panthers when they fired Matt Rule and now they're a, a perennial uh, playoff team. They can but, actually even the Panthers can actually still have a chance to to win the division too. By the way. Yeah, which is nuts. That entire division is nuts. But um, they uh, with 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 two games left in the season and how tight the the playoff window or sorry the uh, the draft order is between you know those all those bottom teams. Um, you know, there's a lot of fluidity in where that pick can go if the Broncos players decide to you know give 110 percent, 120 percent, prove that it was all Nathaniel Hackett. It wasn't. It wasn't their fault, kind of thing. So that's something for us to keep an eye on, at least. Broncos defense is actually solid. It's just even without Bradley Chubb offense. Yeah, even without Bradley Chubb, because they trade him, but like middle of this towards the end, the middle of the season, they're still doing they're still doing good. It's just the offense hasn't just been where it should be. And currently, the the only thing you have to worry about with uh, the Denver's pick, where it's going to be at, it can't go any higher than a three. I don't think it could drop any lower than a four. Actually, it's going to be between wherever happens with because so four eleven teams. So Denver's four eleven, Arizona is four eleven. I'm not, and they're both like one and a half games back. So it's not like it's going to be any higher. Now, how lower it can go? uh, The Colts are at five, but they have a tie, so I think it can't go below a five. So I think our 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 pick is going to either end up being a four at most or a three at best at this point with two games left. Okay, yeah. So then it's not as widespread as i thought it could be the only issue is if arizona gets above us they're taking one of those the one of those like one of those star d players but we will still have we will still be in the ballpark for jay like let's just say they take jalen carter we'll take will anderson if they take will anderson jr we'll take you know we'll take you know jalen carter either way both of them are going to be solid in Uh, in seahawk country because broncos country you're not riding anymore (laughs) the riot is broken (laughs) (laughs) but you mentioned the 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 cardinals and actually you know i forgot to put this on our on our notes here Mm -hmm. but i'm a i'm a i'm gonna catch you out and get your uh get your raw opinion rumor is rumor is spreading that cliff kingsbury could step down after the end of this season um Oliver, if you if you're here, I know you're like you're just like standing up and clapping, <laughs> like Shia LaBeouf was in that one like clip where he was in like the theater room and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I think a lot of people at this stage, with with all the pieces they've gained in draft or trades and what have you, and this is what comes out of it, especially with Hard Knocks being there and stuff. I think he either he steps out or the Cardinals let him go at, after this season because something has to change. Yeah, and if it's not the GM, it's going to be the coach because oh, know. the GM too. That's right. I feel like some people are asking for like that co- the head coach and GM combo to go, but I think it might be. I think the GM might stay another season or two because of like they have great like what what people would consider like these are great additions to the team, but something's not something's not working on the field. Yeah. Kind of. And that's it, what I, that's what I've been kind of seeing personally from watching the games myself. I'm like, because they they got some people, they got some dogs. It's just it's not coming together. 
Yeah, and you know it, and their their situation is a little bit more set in stone as well. Like they just paid Kyler. Um, they know that they have needs all along the offensive line. I think Rodney Hudson was one of those names I saw on that list as a free agent after the season, but he has injury issues. Um, Justin Pugh also has is just like you know he's old. <laughs> he is, and he has a lot of injury issues. Like a lot yeah. of a lot of players are about to go on that team on that offensive line alone. And so mm-hmm. the, a, a new a new coach that comes in is definitely going to have have his work cut out for him. But yeah, this is this would be a good uh, segue into that. What we were talking about before before the podcast starts uh, started was, um, you know, assistant coaches that are kind of like circulating around there that can be a uh, that are head coaching candidates. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, go, I'll go through a list of some candidates yeah, that I saw. Uh, a lot of these candidates are on teams that we are seeing, you know, having a lot of success in the NFL right now, which is surprising, which isn't surprising. Um, names that are being thrown around are like Dan Quinn or Kellen Moore, who are the offensive and defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. Uh, D'Amico Ryans, who's a defensive coordinator for 49ers. Um, Leslie Frazier for, for the Bills D coordinator. Eric mm-hmm. Bianimi, the Chiefs offensive coordinator. Brian Leftwich, the Bucks offensive coordinator. Um, Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen, the Phillies offensive and defensive coordinator. Oh yeah, oh yeah, there's, for sure. There's a lot of a lot of a lot of names that are kind of coming out of the, out of the uh, you know that are shaking out after seeing a whole season. So it'll be interesting the, to see in this off season because you have a lot of coaching vacancies, at least three, right? With mm-hmm. the with the Broncos, um, the Colts, and the Panthers. What about the def- wait? Did you did you happen to mention the defensive coordinator from? I know he's new this season. He only he's only this is his first season, I believe, if not his second. But the defensive coordinator for the 49ers? Yeah, that's D'Amico Ryan's. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, okay, he good. he's been he's been kind of lights out, and you know he's he's got he's had a good unit with him, and you kind of yeah. seen the success Robert Sala has had in like two two years. Is it yeah. with uh, the Jets? So oh, you know, yeah, this he, is the second season with them. Yeah, yeah. So you you know that that coaching tree is kind of like has solid roots yeah yeah, yeah. so i i know he's going to be higher up i think the bucks offensive coordinator i don't think he's he's going to be he's still in he's going to be in talks but i don't think he's going to be higher priority because the highest priority is going to be those the eagles offensive and defensive coordinators yeah they're going to be the first to go with the season that they're having especially if they make the super especially if they make and or win the super bowl they're definitely going to go yeah well that's like almost a surefire thing it's a you know, if a team wins a Super Bowl, they get kind of they get kind of poached for like <laughs> their their coaching personnel. And there's some head coaching jobs that are available. So hey, <laughs> yeah. And you know, the the funny one I, I keep thinking about is you know we, we were talking about it a while ago too, which was the the Raiders, and if Josh McDaniels is going to continue being the coach, but you know the the <laughs> the Raiders actually don't have the money to to, to, fire, to him. fire him <laughs> yeah they can't because they're they're money broke due to the contracts they've handed out before that are still like especially the one they did for um whatchamacallit the previous coach i, I mean i'm john gruden oh yeah he's a forgettable person at this point <laughs> yeah, he just, he's <laughs> falling no, gruden, off the face of the earth at least for gruden they gave him that 10-year 100 million dollar contract fully guaranteed yeah so and he only got fired like what three or four years into no yeah three or four like years t- into it yeah, three or four years into it, so he's still being years. paid that money. By the way, hey, we've said it so many times. Ain't no job better in the world than a fired NFL coach. Matt right. Rule out there. Matt Rule out there just doing oh, random Matt things. Rule is, isn't he still owed like sixty plus or no forty million or something like that? Something. Like, yeah, he's. I think he's owed forty million, and now he's gonna go on. I think he's 
he's in line Northwestern. to be the coach of I think he's at Northwestern Nebraska. Now. Oh, Nebraska? Okay. Is he was in Nebraska, Nebraska or Northwestern. Yeah. I'll, I'll double check really quick. But Thank yeah, you. I think he uh yeah, it looks like he is Cornhuskers. Yeah, Nebraska. Okay. Okay. So but I know he had a he had a coaching job there and stuff like that. So and I've seen some other coaches kind of get into the college football again. Um Dude, I wouldn't be surprised if Urban Meyer Urban Meyer returns to college. Well, Urban, football. remember Urban Meyer is doing um, TV. He's a t- he's on he's a TV personality now. So it, remember, it, it didn't take it didn't take long for him to get back in everyone's good graces after it's being a so piece of easy. shit. It's so easy to, for him to do that. Just go to college football, do your thing, put your head in in that. That's the that's like the same way of putting your head down and get to work kind of thing. So yeah. then you know if he even gets, I don't know if he's going to be for NFL. He'll just be in college football because they need it yeah <laughs> you know so, so many games you can only cover in college football right mm-hmm, for sure um speaking of college football real quick i do have a so i have this one's not on the list but uh hall of famer ed reed he's going to be head coach at bethune cookman which is a swack it's a swat school in florida uh yeah i know man like i saw that and i just said man that's that's fire because now he's not trying to go in now, there's nothing wrong with, you know, bringing all that talent to to the HBCUs. I think he's not trying to oversell like Deion Sanders did. But at the same time, I do like to see some former Hall of Famers getting into the head coaching and then, of course, go to HBCU and bring that bring that help, not just to the Slack conference, but go to the, the other conferences, too. But um, I'm actually excited. I like I love Ed Reed. I love like his his country accent that he has and stuff when he's talking and all that. But um uh oh yeah because yeah because bethune cookman was recently they were previously in um in the MIAC, but now they're in the swack and they've just been struggling since joining it so we'll see how what what ed reed does for you know for the team it's gonna it's definitely gonna bring a lot of people to florida i wonder if he's gonna bring like that uh that like uh the u energy there if you you know if you know what i mean because he's from the u yeah. so Ed Reed um, is one of those people that he he as soon as he stepped on the field, you knew who was in charge, and he played with guys like Ray Lewis and stuff like that. But you you knew when you had Ed Reed in the back, that there ain't nothing that's you know ain't nothing getting between him and the ball, and that's yeah. why I mean he had Ravens is where he was most of the time. He also spent some time in Texans, I believe, right? I think and, yeah yeah yeah. Did he I have th- time at Broncos as well? I do not recall like his whole like where he no so career wise he was yes so he was with he was with the ravens initially and then he went to houston texans and then new york jets and then okay, he retired jets. yeah yeah but he, he, that being said he he's been one of those even though he has that country accent and stuff like that don't let it fool you because he's been he's like kind of regarded as one of the geniuses of the game when it comes to like at least on the defensive side of the ball yeah, and then for those that didn't know, for for the past two years, he's been an administrator or the chief of staff for Miami for the U. So he's been over there for the past two years, and now he's moving over to, you know, being a head coach. Which, hey, I would I still want PV Prairie View A and M University to get that SWAC championship. Personally, that's my alma mater, but you know, I, I do love that. Like the SWAC is kind of seeing um, a lot more star power going there. So, hey. I, I love it. I hope, you know, I, I hope for the best for him. And if he moves on to the power five schools eventually uh, from that success, cool. And it's funny and for, for those out there that also want to see like the U back when they were called the U, you know, go see that 30 for 30 on them. Cause even like the, uh, well, we call him coach Bubba for uh, the current head coach over um, 
at, at Prairie View right now. He was also on the he was also at the U when Ed Reed was there as well. So like he was part right. of the the whole dynasty thing for the U. And it's really it's just really funny that you're seeing all these players becoming um head coaches and stuff now. So it, that was just something to note. And I just want to put that out there as well. So oh, that's fun. Um, speaking of retired le- or <laughs> retiring or retired legends, uh, that kind of transitions into J.J. Watt retiring after this season. It was actually just mm-hmm. kind of announced today, wasn't it? Yeah, he just uh, so after after their recent game, he posted just saying like it was his uh, kid's first game, first NFL game, but like his final NFL game in like uh, in Arizona. So I mean, there's still two games left in the season, but I think they're away games. But um, yeah, it's it's kind of like ah, oh, it's like it sucks. Like I want him to keep playing for like maybe like two or three more seasons, but um, especially with like the state of like Arizona and stuff like that, I think it's. You know, it's kind of like one of those things, you know, with uh, like one not holding a team back in a sense, especially when you're on a team that they definitely need to rebuild at this stage. And of course, like the other part that we were talking about before the before the podcast, which was he's been having injury issues the past, like what, five seasons and stuff like that. He hasn't really been playing like full slate of games every season, even even during his time with the Texans. You know, he kind of limped out of Houston. It was it was sad to see a lot of people wrote his career off. We were talking about how, like, even these last few weeks, he's just kind of been going off a little bit. Like, I think against, can't remember who it was against, but he had like, he had a sack trick against someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he two, got a sack incentive of like two fifty k. I think he got to eight or yeah, it was at seven or eight sacks. I think he got one for seven sacks. Then he got another one for eight, and now currently in the season, I think he's at nine and a half. Mm-hmm. So. I'm just really proud of that man. He's been, he's back. He, he was, or he still is like a legend for the Houston community, especially for, uh, during hurricane Harvey, where he, uh, especially on the community side of things, he helped, you know, uh, he had like a whole donation thing where he raised $37 million in only 19 days yeah. for it, which is like astounding. So, you know, JJ Watt, like he's been good in the community, good on the field. He, I have no problems with this man. He has not been a problem person at all. I even watched him um, play live when I went to a Houston Texans game and stuff like that. So at the very least, I got to see him on the field. But um, uh, some accolades he has, real quick. He's a three-time defensive player of the uh, defensive player of the year uh, winner, and there's only been he's one of three players in NFL history to do this. Which the other two are Lawrence Taylor and Aaron Donald. Uh, good company to be in. Good, very good company to be in. <laughs> um, he was a uh, he has five first team All Pro honors, five Pro Bowls, and he'll be eligible for the. And let's just not let's just he's going to be a Hall of Famer, and he'll be eligible in twenty twenty eight. And his total stats as of right now is a uh, hundred eleven and a half total sacks, five hundred and eighty tackles, twenty seven forced fumbles, sixty nine passes defended. Nice, and finally two regular uh, regular season interceptions. And he still has two games left, so um, I'm just saluting saluting to that man because he's been a he's been like a defensive player legend. So that's all I have to say. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more you can add on to it. JJ Watt is one of those players that every team wants on his team. If uh, every person wants on their team, mm-hmm. just even if it's not for his ability to play on the field, you know, because on Arizona he hasn't been able to uh, get on the field as much. But he is a tremendous person to have in your locker room. A tremendous leader. I'm sure, he's going to be fine, you know, in his post NFL career endeavors. You know, a lot of these guys are really smart with their money now. Facts. He's got he's got his hands in probably lots of businesses, lots of investments, lots of speculative stuff. Like he'll 
he'll be okay. Um, I'm glad he's just walking away from the game while he can still stay whole. Yeah, and uh, I think one little tidbit I saw in the uh, my fiance when, when we were like with uh, watching the Hard Knocks in season with the Arizona Cardinals right now with the fiance, we definitely watched how he was talking with like one of the receivers. He dropped like a he dropped like a crucial pass that led to them losing the game because that person didn't you know that particular player didn't catch it, and then he just told him, "Hey man, look, you mess up right here, but you got hey." but you know what you need to do to keep going forward and you need to make that catch the next time. Just don't, you know, do it again. Like, Hey, just get up, yeah. do it again. And then like, it came, it actually came in like the next game or two. And that guy, like he had a great, he had a, I forgot what happened, but he definitely caught like a touchdown pass and stuff like that. And it all came together. He was like, Hey, JJ, he's like, JJ, I caught it, man. I caught it. You know, <laughs> you know it was really, it was, it, he's a good leader on and off the field. And um, especially when he had the heart issue uh, that was actually life-threatening um, earlier in the season, you know, and then like someone even tried to like uh, blackmail him with it. It was so stupid. But um, he almost was talking about how he couldn't, you know, he had a baby on the way at the time. Might not have seen him because of the heart murmurs he was having. So I'm definitely glad he can walk off, spend time with the family. And then if he wants to do anything else, I can see him doing um, anal- being an analyst or even I don't know about coaching. If that I haven't seen anything that would say that he's been interested in that. But so, uh, shout out to that man. Shout out to J.J. Watt. You ain't going to see a player like that for a long, long time. Yeah, you, you, you said it right, man. You want to go on to the next one? We got, we got two. Uh, next up, we have Tua, our, our next headline that we have, I should say. Tua is dealing with another concussion. This one, it would be, I believe, his third concussion of the season. Am I right? That we know of. That we know of. Um, there is some controversy around this. If there's not already controversy around Tua getting a concussion at this point in the season, this time wasn't flagged up by the head in the head injury spotters that they have out there. Um, you know, it was from everyone that was kind of watching. They kind of saw him kind of get spun around, fall on his back and his, you know, his, his head, the back of his head slam against the ground. Um, you know, it, it, it was pretty obvious to a lot of people that were watching like hey this guy at least needs to get checked out but i don't believe they even flagged him to, to get checked out i think they just they're trying to it's it's weird because you don't know if it's like the miami dolphins knowing that they're very close to getting that playoff berth they're like nah just keep him in just if we can just stay like you know survive long enough to get our play like clinch a playoff run then we'll do what we need to do to like you know we don't you don't know if it's that or not so that's like the only issue i have with it but three concussions in one season ugh. Ugh. Should his season be over? Um, oh, uh, let me let me preface that with mm-hmm. at least what the NFL medical chief statement was was that Tua showed no visible signs of a concussion, which uh, kind of bullshit. But based on the hit that his head took, they should they have done more as well. Well, with the whole new concussion protocol, that's what the whole point of the head injury spotters. And if anything, there have been instances, not just this game, where a head spotter, which they're they're uh, they're not from any of the team well they're they're independent parties yeah independent parties by the way they're not like with a specific team now a team can have their own set but but then i don't think they're even saying i don't think they're even with the nfl at all i think they're an actual like independent third oh no no no. i I was just saying that like the nfl like nfl teams themselves can have all the head trauma specials that they can have but the nfl says we want someone that's independent from each team to for fairness yeah Um, there have been instances where a head injury spotter missed some players out there because there was i forgot who it was i think it was on the steelers or something like that like a wide receiver was like whoa 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 
hey, stop, stop the game, stop, like, stop. He needs help. He needs yeah, help. And stuff that was, like that. I think that was Jarvis, not, not Jarvis Landry. Who no, was it? No, it was not Jarvis. It was, uh, I forgot who it was. Um, we can, uh, we, we can we, I'll look going. it up really quick while you're, yeah. but in the, the short of it, you know, there was times when a player st- stepped up, um, and said, Hey, Hey, he needs to get looked at and stuff like that. So basically at the end of the day, uh, you know, they're, they're still human, so they might miss stuff, but I don't, I'm not sure what they can do with three concussions in one season. I do at the very least for Tua. Um, I'm very concerned in the long run, like either later in his seasons or even when he retires, what's going to happen. Uh, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, the, the name of that player was Devontae Parker. <laughs> I oh, forgot. Yeah. I forgot about him. But yeah. uh yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, we we talked about this after he had his first concussion. Like, you know, you get one concussion and you're a lot more liable to get another one and then another one and another one. It's a it's kind of a slippery slope in terms of injuries. And, you know, a lot of players walk away from this game not whole. And, you know, we just talked about JJ Watt being able to walk away, you know, with, with his head held high. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Tua's kind of coming he's kind of fighting that battle right now and we're just kind of helpless bystanders as he kind of navigates through this, this journey. Yeah. Cause you know, I, I think in, in, he even said that he didn't remember running off that field. Like, um, like he didn't like he, there's like memory lapses he had from that game. Oh, uh, oh, and you know, crap, he, man. <laughs> even in terms of like his ability to produce on the field, you know, that was a close game. I think the, I think the Packers beat them 26, 20. It was but one of those it, games, man. That's why they probably kept him in too. If if there is some controversy, they probably kept him in because like we need we don't have I guess we don't trust our backup quarterback yeah, or something like that. I mean that could have been it because I think Skylar Thompson is their backup quarterback, but like mm-hmm. um, Tua threw three picks in that fourth quarter, so you could make an argument that he could have been the reason why that team lost as well. <sighs> I mean it, it it couldn't have been as maybe it, it, Tua with a concussion is better than Skylar Thompson or. Uh, I think, yeah, because the, the other backup quarterback is Teddy Bridgewater, I think, right? But I think Teddy Bridgewater is dealing with his own injury issues. Yeah, I'm not, I haven't kept up with, like, the backup quarterbacks on that team. But it just kind of is what it is, right? So, and then I think the Dolphins are now at 8-7. Uh, and seven, So, they're seventh seed in the AFC. But then, like, you have, like, the Jets, Patriots, Titans, and Pittsburgh, all of them one game back. And then Dolphins are playing the Patriots. So, I don't think Tua is going to be able to be ready for that game. If he is, that's very concerning. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, in in terms of personal, like to as a person, like, you know, take it seriously just because this early in your life. I mean, he's probably like 22, 23. Like, just, you don't want to you don't want to get the next 40 years of your life to be like, you know, blacking in and out, that kind of thing. Yeah. But some people see the money and sometimes they need the money because like not all NFL players that leave the NFL are just like set for life with the money they've made. Some actually have to go back into working or it might actually go the worst way that some of them go bankrupt and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, like you were saying too, the Dolphins are sitting at uh, eight and seven right now as the seven seed. You know, they've kind of been on this long is like similar to like the Seahawks and similar to the Jets. They've kind of been on this long, you know, tailspin of, uh, um, in the second half of the season, I think they've lost like four or five straight actually. Yeah. So um, they've also had like the, the second half, like blues in the season in terms of the losses and stuff like it's, it's happened to a lot of teams, not just like our Seahawks and others. Right. So it's yeah, actually like opening t- up the, it's, it's actually making these fun playoff scenarios happen right now as yeah. that, that we're currently seeing. And so with, with the Dolphins sitting at the seven seed, they're currently one game ahead of Jets, Patriots, Titans, and Pittsburgh who are all seven and eight. Yep. So now all of a sudden, you know, you have this very uh, 
enticing um, some would say conspiracy like some would say conspiracy theory of a interesting last couple of weeks you know nfl trying to make things interesting facts so yeah we'll see what happens with that and we'll keep watch of that especially as as it it's really coming down to these last two games which is really funny and dolphins so. play patriots next week as well so yes that's that's that that'll that'll be a deciding factor of how interesting things will be facts and then um after that we got one other fun story it's it has to do with the chiefs um so there is a super fan named uh chiefsaholic right and I, I I will give some context, some background information on this super fan uh, before we get into why he's <laughs> has come up as a po- as a popular thing lately. If you don't know, so Chiefsaholic is a super fan that is in the Kansas City area that wears a wolf costume, and he has been he's been going to every single uh, Chiefs game, both away, uh, both home and away, for the last seven years, right? Seven years. I need you to imagine like how many games that is, like you know, over a course of seven years, even with the additional two, uh, one or two that we got this season, right? So, which is, and he's never missed one, by the way, which is still crazy. He has a social media presence on Twitter with a big following. He's pretty much seen kind of like a, a local celebrity there at this stage. So, like, pretty much everyone knows him. So, and then of course, with that being said, you know, some people are going to kind of be like, "Hey, um, how do you make your money?" And he originally proclaimed that he managed uh, warehouses to pay for, you know, pay for his away game trips and stuff like that. So everyone's like, okay, okay, he's just he's just rich, right? Well, recently he missed the Chiefs versus Houston game. Fans were worried. Fans investigated, and it turns out uh, he was arrested in I think it was Oklahoma for robbing a bank. And <laughs> and then it turns out from the investigation with that he's a career criminal actually, and. He robs that he's a career criminal that robs banks on his way to every single Chiefs away game. So and then you're probably wondering, well, he's robbing these banks. Then how the heck is he using that said money? Well, he launders the money he stole. He, he's stolen from all of these banks by buying Chiefs paintings from uh, charities, from local charities, mind you, and, and also through sports betting. So like he's he set himself up like a little empire to just wear a wolf suit at a, uh, to each of those games and. You know, finally, you know, finally the karma knocked on his door and said, hey, how you doing? It's it's about that time to cough up. And he's in jail now. So that's um, just want to know your thoughts on all of that, man. I, I mean, hilarious. <laughs> I think that's the first thing, because you're if you're talking about seven years worth of crime, you know, banks are obviously the one the um, historically have been targeted so much that the security in banks is just kind of like, you know, as good as airports at that point kind of thing depends and, on he, i think he's been hitting like those local not big banks mind you he's probably been hitting like the local banks uh, in the area or the region if you will mm-hmm. so that's probably why he's been getting away with it but either way crime's still a crime <laughs> crime's still a crime it's just that he's been doing this for such a long time i'm just like dang this guy's gonna have a movie made about him starring paul rudd <laughs> right. i actually think a document if not a documentary if not a movie there's going to be some form of a documentary that might end up on netflix or something and i don't mind watching but like it's just funny that he did this for seven years because i i couldn't I was actually trying to look up how many away games have there been in the past seven seasons, but like that's a lot. That's in the tens, if not twenties. Yeah, in the twenties, I think. If not, yeah, ten between tens and twenties. You telling me like he every time he goes to an away game, he he steals from a bank. 
<laughs> if I knew it was that easy, I'd be doing that shit too, man. <laughs> Bro, me too. But no, nah, nah, no, I, I don't want. I don't want none of that smoke. But he definitely did. And wow, that's just been a whole thing he's been doing. And now he's in jail, so he's gonna be in, if anything, federal prison. If not, so that's just something that funny that came up. And man, you sometimes you just don't know your super fans or your local celebrities like you think you do. Yeah, I feel like that's what everybody kind of comes to terms with whenever they realize their heroes aren't <laughs> that, that you know when you when you have that childlike uh, reverence of like athletes or like personalities and think they can do no wrong and then all of a sudden they come out and be career criminals and that kind of thing. Career criminal and robbing banks, man. It all for the sake of going to a Chiefs game, which that's all that's that's the other thing. I blame the NFL. I blame the NFL. The, those <laughs> ticket prices are outrageous. A bloody nose ticket at the Seahawks is like uh, like two hundred bucks. Like, hey, yo, man. I saw that. And like, man, we definitely need to go to a game. But man, the ticket prices, right? Yeah, for real. <laughs> That's probably why he just said, "You know what? I have to put this into my own hands. Let me solve it by just robbing these banks." <laughs> yeah. He probably went to one of them at least. Say, uh, uh, like the lady was just like, or later a person was just like, "Hi, you know, uh, can I get a name for your? Can I get a name for this transaction?" Yeah, Robin. Okay, on the last name, the bank. The so bank. your name is Robin the Bank, and then boom, boom. <laughs> it just goes from there. Yeah. But um, so yeah, so he's definitely not going to be a local celebrity. He's going to be an infamous local uh, local celebrity now. Yeah, he, he, he's a celebrity for the wrong reason. <laughs> right, but um, I think that uh, that's pretty much all we had for like around the league that we we picked out. But um, which has been kind of a wild ride, right? So um, let's get on into those week sixteen games, starting with. Jaguars at Jets, 19-3. The Jags got it. We were both right. Any uh, thoughts on that game? Uh, you know, Zach Wilson was leading that Jets offense, so you know that that's that was the reason why we both picked the Jags. But also, Jags are one of the hottest teams right now. So, um, you know, Jets offense was completely toothless. Zach Wilson was benched for a practice squad quarterback named Streveler, whose first name I did not bother looking up, but <laughs> which was disrespectful by me. But he actually was playing pretty solid. He could actually like um, scramble, and I actually I caught Strebler. some of that. Yeah, Streveler, he can actually yeah. like scramble a little bit here and there, and he's a lefty too. Yeah, and so he 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 kind of he I mean. Jags only or Jets only got a field goal out of this game. So whoever the quarterback was, they weren't able to really get the ball up and down the field. But on the Jag side of things, no passing TDs from Trevor Lawrence, but he did have a rushing touchdown. It was just one of those games where he didn't need to make a mistake and he just and just watched the, the, the Jets implode. You know, Doug Peterson's been around for a long time. He know how to game plan for these kind of games. Oh yeah, facts. So at that point, just let the Jets let the Jets figure out their situation over there while we're trying to win a game. <laughs> yeah. If I mean if you were just if you just woke up from a coma and you saw this, you'd be thinking, same old Jets. Yeah, man. So uh next game we got are the Falcons at Ravens, seventeen nine Ravens. You got this one right. This one could have just been a crapshoot, though. I mean, Brett Huntley had a touchdown, but like, um, you know, the Ravens clinched the playoff spot because of this, because of the Bengals win. So that's, you know, that was one of those things that we were keeping an eye on because we didn't know the Lamar Jackson injury situation. But it was just one of those games where the Ravens defense, the Ravens run game just kind of ran wild. Uh, Gus Edwards had 99 yards. J.K. Dobbins had another 59. Brett Huntley had a six yard TD pass to Demarcus Robinson. You know, it was just a, it was a low key game, and then. You know, the Falcons are starting Desmond Ritter, who I think he didn't have any interceptions or picks or uh, touchdowns, but he threw for 200 yards. But, you know, it wasn't one of those games where you were expecting like a shootout. Yeah, I mean, I don't expect the Falcons. I think the Falcons are just kind of letting Desmond Ritter get used to the games at this stage. It's his time. Marcus Mariota, we we already know what we're going to see. So I think 
he's not going to be a starter next season for the Falcons at this point. So I don't think he's actually part of the Falcons organization anymore. I think he like left the team. Oh, did they let him go or something? I think he just kind of like walked away. I don't know what the, that that is a subject of controversy or discussion as well, whether, you know, he kind of, the, the way that it made it sound like it made it sound like Marcus Mariota, once Desmond Ritter was named starter, just kind of left the team of his own volition. But then you had Arthur Smith coming out and saying, oh, he had a knee issue, so he's going to go get that checked out. Kind of like that political, mm-hmm. like, you know, okay. cover it up kind of thing. So we we don't actually know what ha- what's happening behind closed doors. Um, I just don't think a, that Mark- I mean, there must not be that much. I mean, there is some smoke, but it's not that much to warrant like a controversy. You know, there's a controversy happening at Falcons because I haven't seen it in the news because I'm not like too into like tied into the news at the moment. So. Yeah, it's one of those things where everybody kind of knew what the storyline was going to be this season, which was, you know, Marcus Mariota was that bridge quarterback because they did go out and draft Desmond Ritter to be that replacement or, you know, their quarterback. So um, it's kind of falling in line with the narrative. So I don't think it's going to get a lot of a lot of discussion. Yeah. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with uh, both of those teams, especially now the Ravens. I don't think the Ravens are going to go that far that deep into the playoffs, though. But, um, you know, it's good. Hopefully Lamar can come back at least to make a run. But we'll see. Um, next up, we got the Lions at Panthers, uh, 37-23. Panthers got it, and we were just both wrong in this one, surprisingly. Yeah, that was wild. I mean, we had our Discord, and I was just kind of like, I was like just thinking out loud in there. And I'm like, dude, the Panthers are just, the Panthers just kind of ran all over the Lions defense, like literally. Like Deontay Foreman uh, had a uh, career high 165 yards and a touchdown. Chuba Hubbard had a, had a career best 125 um, as a team, the Panthers racked up 320 yards of rushing offense or of rushing yards. And Sam Darnold added 250 yards through the air and two total touchdowns of passing and a rushing. Oh, my God. It, yeah. Hubbard. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, Chuba Hubbard. He's been that backup behind CMC for a while. And I'm glad he's um he's been getting like his due because I, it's one of those things where like, Hey, surprisingly, this is a really good running back. Cause he actually filled in when CMC was injured before he had a lot of time uh, playing in that, uh, that system over there. So either way, like I'm, I'm glad that he's having a good uh, career best. And they're actually, again, like we said earlier in the podcast, Panthers are actually up like to actually, you know, they, they I think everyone has a chance in that division to win the division. So I think besides Falcons, I think Falcons, yeah, besides been, Falcons. Yeah. Yeah, so but because they Saints have to, won, Saints yeah. won this week as well. So I think if, yeah, if so Cardinal if, if Cardinals had beat the the Bucks, then that would have made it even more interesting. But oh yeah, but the Bucks are just saying like, no, 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 we 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 gotta make it to the we have to make it to the the playoffs and do something because like I think you have all that talent on the Bucks, and then like all of a sudden now you're just like in a miasma of just like not mediocrity, but like you're just middling a little bit kind of thing yeah. with like that, and especially when the Panthers. Whoopsies, um, especially with the Panthers, Panthers and stuff like that. Um, you know, kicking. You know, Panthers and stuff are all like they lost their head coach, they lost their best running back and stuff, but they're still like, nah, we can make it to the playoffs without them. I would, I would argue that you know of the head coaching vacancies that we've already that that we know that are open between the Broncos, Colts, and Panthers. Panthers mm-hmm. might be the most enticing one. What just if, do you do you think the Panthers are just going to keep? Who is it? Steve Wilkes? That's their current coach right now. Uh you know that's a good question because I think they, I think they're the fact that that team traded away arguably you know one of their best, if not one of the best offensive players in the league to the Forty ers and started playing better. Mm-hmm. 
I think that probably speaks a lot to the coaching coaching staff as to as to what they're doing. You know, they they're playing a different style of football. You know, the offense doesn't just run through CMC. Um, they kind of have these pieces that they can they can use. You know, um, there was a lot of talk at the trade deadline of DJ Moore and you know how upset he was that he didn't get moved like CMC did. But I'm pretty sure he's probably. I mean, he maybe he still would have preferred being moved, but it's not the situation ain't as bad as it was as we thought it could have been. Yeah, and I think my thing is I feel like they should keep Steve Wilkes, um, uh, as their coach until, especially if if they make if they actually win the division with all the mayhem that they've had this season while being under Steve Wilkes because I think this is what is this like his sixth week or so seventh week being the head coach of the team because that's a, that's a it's a pretty decent st- stretch where they've been winning games recently i would think i think it's i think it's longer okay because i think matt rule got fired like five or Earlier. six weeks in. i think he got fired five or six weeks into the okay. season right so if he's been the head coach for the majority of this season which obviously he's going to be over matt rule regardless um and they win the division i feel like you don't even have to go out for a head coach what's wrong with keeping steve wilkes in there my, I mean, if you you start wondering what if we had a full season of Steve Wilkes, right? But yeah. you gotta you gotta take into perspective too, like the quarterback situation that Panthers wasn't that good because I, I think Sam Darnold has kind of been that guy. But they also traded for Baker. They've had PJ Walker come in and out. They didn't really uh, have a quarterback when you have so many quarterbacks that they didn't know who to go with or who to put who to get behind. So I hope I don't know what's gonna happen in Darnold after this season, but. Um, Hopefully, I, I hope that they can keep Steve Wilkes. You don't have that many black quarter, uh, not quarterbacks, but black uh, head coaches anyway in the league. But at the same time, he's been the fact that they're in contention to get the division and a make a play and make playoffs. Yeah, it speaks a lot. I don't know how far they will, if they were to make the playoffs, how far they will get. But if they got a run game going right now, I would just use a run game until it fails. Yeah, and I think right now they're sitting at seven and nine, or yeah, I think they're sitting at seven and nine. Holy crap, that's nice. Or maybe <laughs> no, I think maybe it's. Um, no, I think it's six and six and nine. That they entire division. Are, that yeah, enti- they're currently six and nine right now. Yeah, and I think that it's just because like that entire division is kind of ass. But we've lost to every single team in that division, so I can't really say that. <laughs> but yeah. uh, you know, fun fact for you is you know uh, J.C. Horn, cornerback that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's injured, but Panthers signed Josh Norman to their practice squad. So he's back. I, did, I I guess I didn't even know. Like I didn't even know what was going on there. I thought he retired from. The I league. thought so too, but I guess he just kind of kept his phone open. Yeah, I mean, if he still think if he thinks he can still play, I mean, honestly, like everyone, if you don't know Josh Norman, he just had like one season. He's kind of like he's basically the cornerback that does all. Like I'm not saying he does a lot of talk. But he's basically like in the Richard Sherman. Not saying he is Richard Sherman, but like in terms of like talking smack and stuff like that, he's in like the Jalen Ramsey, Richard Sherman group of corners. And he just had that one season where he was like that stout corner, right? But ever since that one season, it's just been going downhill and stuff like that. Especially with the you know the Titans and King yeah. Henry stiff arming him to oblivion. Yeah. I mean, any cornerback playing on those on those Panthers teams for all those years when they had guys like Luke Keekley and, you know, like um, all those defensive linemen that, you know, that they had over those years, you know, those court, court teams playing the Panthers, like quarterbacks only had like a second and a half to throw. That's how dominant they were. Yeah, man. So it's, it's just, that, that's just something. But, oh, I actually just see. So they had a franchise record of 320 rush yards in that one game. Yeah, three hundred twenty yards, franchise record. And that was is was that through both Chuba Hubbard and who was it? Deontay is in Deontay Foreman, right? 
Yeah, and so and then I think Sam Darnold added some yards as well, Jeez, and that kind of rounded it out. Maybe. Wait, wait, one of the running backs had a hundred. Yeah, so Foreman had 165 yards and a touchdown. Chuba had 125 yards, and maybe not a touchdown, but like that's that says something when two backs can get over 100 yards on your team. Dude, this is I think this is the reason why Steve Wilkes is now having successes because they the, the, this is the same thing that they saw we saw when they played us right is they, they, they were are running the ball. They are more than content running the ball down your throat and just grinding you into oblivion. Man, well, hopefully, hey, we're gonna keep. I'm gonna keep watching the Panthers now because now they got my attention too. So we'll see how that goes. Um, next game we have the Bills at Bears, and I don't think no one's gonna be surprised at this one. Bills won 35-13, and we were both right on that one. The Bills have clinched their division. Um, I definitely saw that as well. I saw part of that game and yeah, they definitely did a good job in containing Justin Fields since Justin Fields is like their only bit of offense that they had. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, Justin, uh, I think they kind of, everybody, the, the secrets kind of out on Justin Fields in terms of like, or the bears, I should say, which is, you know, if you're able to contain Justin Fields from, you know, letting loose and having big runs and moving the chains and that kind of thing, then you have, you have a, um, you have a pretty contained Bears offense. And so they just kind of executed that game plan. Uh, this was the the interesting point for the, the the Bills offense in this in this game was that it was Devin Singletary had 106 yards rushing, and that was the first Bills running back to have over 100 yards this season. And Cook nearly joined him. He had 99. So, you know, they ran mm-hmm. – that that that's been you know we've been talking about teams that I think are the the best in the AFC. I've I've said my piece on the Bengals and stuff like that. But if Bills are doing, if Bills are able to run the ball like that, you know, at this point in the season, then you know they're and the, you know the, their running backs are fresh though because of it. So it's like if they yeah. have to, if they have to, we will they will run the ball. But I know they're gonna all like with the Bills. They're they have a passing system just like the Chiefs. That's why I see the Bills and the Chiefs as like the blue and re- like red versus blue kind yeah. of teams in terms of on the AFC side. They're all about like we have our quarterbacks. We are throwing the ball. And if yeah. you can keep up with us, sure. But we're going to keep throwing the ball unless in this case, I think they were just above and beyond from the from the Bears to the point where um, they just started running the ball <laughs> continuously. Yeah. So. And don't forget, and don't forget that Josh Allen is also one of the best runners too. Did he have some runs in that game, or they were just trying to keep him healthy? So they just said, "Hey, running I, backs, go ahead." I think I think they're trying to keep him healthy in this one. He might have had a rush score because they did have thirty-five points. I can pull that up really quickly, but yeah, I think for the most part, because Josh Allen is dealing with a number of injuries, kind of coming to this point, right, with like the elbow and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So they probably are trying to keep him healthy. But Josh Allen in that game had 41 yards rushing and a touchdown. So he had he contributed a good amount as and well. And I think I think since they clinched the division and obviously they if they, you clinch a division you clinched a playoff uh, playoff uh, spot too. You're not get I don't think they're getting I don't think they're actually let me see real quick. Oh, so I don't think anyone clinched. Did anyone clinch the first the 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 bye week, the bye seed, like the first Neither team has you so far cuz Vikings also Oh, won. yeah, cuz Chiefs, Bills and Chiefs though are 12 and three on the yeah. AFC. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those things actually, you know, I just realized Naeem Hines didn't really do much. I wonder how much he's done since he's joined the bills. Cause I was, he, he's supposed to be like a passing option. So like you have both, cause you have to think you have cook who they drafted, right. Who was supposed to be like his brother in this, uh, like his brother in a sense. So like, he's that power runner. Cause single tier I've heard they haven't really been too high on him. That's also why they have cook. 
so right now, Devin, it's like basically you have Singletary and Cook, like your your one two backs, and then if you need to throw the ball and stuff like that's where Hines comes in. That's kind of yeah. what they were doing. His his stats with Buffalo, uh, mm-hmm. he's been on Buffalo for eight games, six rushes for minus three yards. Mm-hmm. Um, receiving, he is five receptions on nine targets for fifty three yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, I mean, what he's there for. <laughs> yeah, but those are those numbers aren't are kind of on the low side from what you expected because they traded for him midway through the they season. Didn't, they so didn't maybe, trade a lot for him though. It was like a fifth or a sixth round for him. So yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, um, I think it's just because they need that passing option. Devin Singletary wasn't it. Um, he also wasn't. Devin Singletary has just been he's been good, if not okay. Um, so in the grand scheme of things, they may move on from Singletary and you would still have Hines as the second, if not like the one you throw it to, and then Cook will be your starter, right? So right. But we'll see how that happens uh post you know, postseason for them, but right now. Oh yeah, you know, right now. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, you got something for me? Oh no, yeah, I was just gonna say, um maybe it could be one of those situations where they're trying to keep him a little fresh come the uh the playoff Ooh. the playoffs as well because they probably know that that's mind games mind games well because you know once playoffs come around it, football teams get a lot more conservative they go to a lot more running the football which is why i have like problems with teams like the chiefs and dolphins um in the playoffs because their run game isn't as featureful as teams like you know like the yeah, um, but the chiefs you know it's a passing system if not the mahomes system especially when they get to the red zone they have all the trick plays in the world for it and you don't yeah. know what they're going to give you when they because you know the Chiefs are going to get to the red zone then when they get to the red zone if your defense has been stout they can get you with a trick play i can't say it will it'll happen every red zone play but Chiefs are still a, a force to be reckoned with if not the bills and Bengals. of course the Bengals are a force too so we'll see how they go when we get into the you know the playoffs um yeah for sure Next game up, we have the Saints at Browns. 17-10 Saints. You actually got this one. Um, close game. It, but uh, what you got on that one? It, it was one of those games that honestly could have gone either way. It was, <laughs> I mean, Saints were playing at Browns. Saints have – Saints, I think they played six games in outdoor stadiums and haven't won a single game in an outdoor stadium. And so, you know, they didn't really have a lot of – a lot going for them. It was a cold-weather game in Cleveland, as many of you know. It's like – we're getting sub-zero wind chills out there, and I think the I think that was more or less what was happening in Cleveland as well. Mm-hmm. Um, both quarterbacks were relatively ineffective. Brown, I mean, Browns have a pretty bad rush defense, and Saints just kind of exploited it with Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara. And that's all there was to that plan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got nothing else to say on the Saints and Browns. I just think like with the Saints, hey, you're actually winning. You're going, you're go- you're going up in the world, right? Because you actually <laughs> yeah. have a chance to get the division as well. But uh, we'll see Eagles how that fans, Eagles fans must hate seeing that. Well, Eagle, I mean, they still Eagle. Oh, currently with their pick, um, the Saints pick, it's at 10. I mean, as an Eagles fan, you're going to the playoffs on like a, a team that's like what you would consider near perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, and then you still have a top 10 pick. Hey, it is what it is. But, um, you know, I've still taken I love having like an extra first round pick on top of like your, your current first round. Right. So, you know, Seahawks fans, we we doing good with two picks. So. Um, next game up, Giants at Vikings, 27-24 uh, Vikings, both right, and even though that was a very close game. Uh, what else to say? Oh, first of all, I wanted to say TJ Hawkinson is that man. <laughs> With yeah, 13 catches, that. 109 yards, and two TDs. So he was he always was a star the, tight end to me. He so. was the tight end that we expected the, 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 the Vikings were getting when they traded for him, right? 
Yeah, and then of course Justin Jefferson is the goat in terms of receivers right now, if, in my opinion. He's on track for. I mean, I think if he gets two hundred fifty yards or something like that, something around two hundred fifty yards over these next two games, which is very like, doable, very 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 plausible for a guy like him, unless they just kind of shut the season down for the playoffs. You know, um, he can top two thousand yards receiving, which would be which would be pretty insane. Yeah, and I think who I forget the who was that receiver. That legend receiver that did it was a Jerry Rice that did it in a season, or was it someone else? I thought it was Jerry Rice. If uh, it was anyone, I think it was Jerry Rice. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. And on they, that. I think he did it with with one less game, <laughs> right? Um, but it, it, I think uh, I think uh, last week or this week, Justin Jefferson topped a record from Randy Moss. I think mm, it was. Okay. I think it was something with like most reception yards for through first three seasons or something like that. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I, again, like Stephon Diggs and Justin Jefferson, which is funny because they both flipped from each of their teams to be on the teams they are today. Uh, you know, there's still some good receivers, but like Justin Jefferson's been a bad man in that regard. But then Stephon Diggs got the stickiest hands, though. Let's just I have to at least say that, man, because you throw him the ball, he's going to catch it. <laughs> yeah, the guy, and he's also one of the best route runners in the league, and there's no question about that. What if you had both of them on the same team, which I, I mean, mean they the, technically did the, at one point. At one, for, a, for a short overlap. They just didn't want to pay both. <laughs> yeah, or actually, no. I think they traded. I think they traded Stephon Diggs before the draft because it was like an issue with him not getting that many, like you know, many passes at the time in respect. Because they had Justin Jefferson, they were like, "Yeah, let's get rid of Stephon Diggs because we want Justin Jefferson instead." And then they and it's funny because they had like prime Adam Thielen too, and Adam Thielen in those years was kind of like an unstoppable machine. Yeah, well, you know, if, if you if you got Justin Jefferson locked up, there's you know, Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen is solid. Uh, as a receiver for like the the Vikings, I know Vikings fans love him too, um, alongside Justin Jefferson. So hey, either way, they have a great season, but hopefully they can um, tighten up that defense for the playoffs because their defense has been historically bad, yeah, <laughs> as of late. But they're still getting wins. But hey, it is what it is. But man, you almost lost to the Giants though. Still twenty seven twenty four, and you know we got to see if that defense holds up in the playoffs. But of course, we got to look at Kirk. So in, in those uh, primetime lights, but we'll see. <laughs> um, next up, Bengals at Patriots, uh, 22-18 Bengals. We both got this one right. Uh, you know, the Bengals offense had over 500 yards, and they won their seventh straight game. So I, it must be good to be a Bengals fan at the moment. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, the, the numbers are kind of deceiving, but, like, you know, uh, the game score was a one-score one score game, but the Bengals had over 500 yards. Patriots only had 285 yards. Total? That, total oh my god mac jones had 240 yards and two tuds and i think the 40 other 45 just came from their run game but that's kind of like a um it's kind of one of those things that we didn't expect to see because mac jones has been struggling this a bit this season but um the fact that it was close despite that level of um that disparity between offensive outputs is kind of wild um actually the patriots in this game had a chance to win it right and so ramondre stevenson I mean, the um, Patriots uh, Patriots forced a fumble. Matt, Matthew Judon stripped Jamar Chase and mm-hmm. um, set up the game-winning, quote-unquote, game-winning drive for the Patriots. And they, the Patriots took it all the way down to the Cincinnati five-yard line where uh, Ramondre, or Von Bell forced a, forced a fumble on Ramondre Stevenson. And, you know, once that happened, they just kind of ran the clock out. Yeah. But it was... It was kind of wild that the game was that close, even though that there was that level of disparity between them. I guess you can kind of say that like Bengals for all that 500 yards of offense, but it only ended up with the score being that might be telling of like 
could you could at least take maybe like some of their weaknesses from that game in that sense? Because like you said, Patriots could have won if they just had a clean offensive drive, but didn't, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it uh, could be one of those situations. Maybe they just had a little bit of trouble and come the red zone. Maybe they had a, a few untimely turnovers or something like that. But come this time of the season, you know, you're just whatever comes in the W column comes in the W column. You're right. You're right. Don't, don't get me wrong. Even if it's an ugly win, a win's a win. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Next game up, we have Texans at Titans. 1914 Texans. I was right in this one. I think uh, it's because you were in Houston. You, you gave them the good juju, even though they were playing in Tennessee. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really take much from this game. Um, Tanny, Tanny was injured, so he's actually out for the rest of the season too. Did they say the rest of the season? Did they actually shut him down? He had a surgery, okay, on his yeah. ankle or something like that. But he had a surgery. He's out for the season, so it's Malik Willis all the way. Um, they're set. I think if they can hold another if these next two games and they can keep winning, they'll at least have a playoff chance. But um, I don't know if Malik Willis will take you to the you know to the Golden Gates of the Super Bowl though. Yeah, he he, he 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 was just one of those players that people were saying like, or we were saying, kind of need to nurture them into this league. You don't want to throw a, a guy like Malik Willis who has like a tremendous amount of like talent but just kind of needs to be polished up a little bit. But he, you know, he, in this game, he, he had 99 passing yards, two picks and a rushing touchdown, which is kind of like the Malik Willis stand stat line that we would expect. Yeah, I know the coach is, I know the coach gets tight when it's like, Hey, Malik Willis has to start because Tannehill's out. He's like, oh, okay, heartburn. <laughs> heartburn. Let me just take some of this. All right. We're gonna have to run the ball and we'll just go from there. <laughs> I mean, Derrick Henry had like a big score and that was cool to see. Cause you know, any vintage Derrick Henry big runs is always fun to watch. But I, you know that they can't just always go off of Derrick Henry in this case, especially like I'm coming with Malik Willis's a stat line of only having 99 yards passing two picks and a rushing TD. It's one dimensional, right? Yeah. Like it, it you can even look at his other games where he had less than 99 yards passing. Like I think he had like 50-something yards passing, and then he was just throwing nothing but picks and trying to run the ball every single time, which, yes, at, when he was at Liberty, he was definitely doing a lot of running, but that's why a lot of people were saying, like, he's not really ready for, like, the pro-style offenses yet, you know, in terms of, like, throwing it and stuff like that. Like, he's he's very erratic, and he just always leans into running it. It's, it's like watching a Madden. It's Oh, it's basically in terms of Madden. It's like you drafted that 69 or 70 overall like scrambler and instead and every time you watch a play like from the computer side of things, he always just always like, ooh, is that is that pressure I feel? Run. Yeah. <laughs> Keep running. <laughs> always run. So that's all that's what's happening here. And um yeah, t- he he needs like another season sitting behind Tannehill. So we'll see what happens with Tannehill going forward. But Tannehill's had his set of injuries though uh, this season, so I think it's just taking a toll on him as well. But if they think Malik Willis is going to be the guy, we'll see, right? Yeah. Um. Next up, we got Commanders at Forty Niners, thirty-seven twenty. Forty Niners. We were both right on this one. Brock Purdy was just being Brock Purdy. Um. But he definitely had those two long TDs to Kittle yet again. Um. Yeah, he was throwing else? some dimes out there. Yeah. Um, one, one thing that I did, mm-hmm. uh, at the, even though it's a one-sided 49ers, uh, win, I think the biggest headline might be this late in the season with the commanders still in the playoff hunt, Taylor Heineke got benched. He threw a pick in the, in the, uh, fourth quarter and it was a second turnover. You know, the game was probably well out of hand already. Uh, or maybe it was close. I don't, I didn't follow the, the score progression, but Taylor Heineke got benched for Carson Wentz. And Ron Rivera is non-committal on who his starter is next week. 
which I is a situation we didn't expect that. Yeah, I, I personally would just say keep Taylor Heineke in there because you have to. Because my thing is like this: like I feel like with the Commanders, you just don't know if they even. It's almost to the point where it's like we don't like both of our quarterbacks at this point, right? So, yeah, it's like they kind of they like Taylor Heineke as a person, but you know they know what they're getting with him, right? Whereas they don't like Carson as a person. I don't think. <laughs> I mean, I don't, the whole thing with Carson being there. We're not even just going to get there though, but. Their their pick currently in the draft is at twenty one, and they're definitely not getting a quarterback like that unless it's like one of those quarterbacks that they just you know throw a first round pick at and just to see. But I don't know if they're behind Taylor Heineke going forward, which I personally would give him a. I need I need to give him a full season, not like oh, if Carson Wentz has been out with the injury and then Taylor Heineke does well, okay, let's keep him. But then like the first time he throws two picks, they're instead of keeping him in, they take him out for Carson Wentz. That kind of just shows that like they don't have confidence in both unfortunately yeah and i mean if they only they showed that much confidence in their statue makers yeah um (laughs) next game up i did see majority of this game unfortunately eagles at cowboys 40 34 cowboys both wrong but at the same time um uh uh, hurt wasn't hurts wasn't in this um game again it it was Minshew mania yeah, Minshew mania, but like Minshew was, he gave him, he, he gave the Eagles 34 points. He made mistakes, but the the picks that he threw um, in this game, though, they were like, even the commenters were saying like, those picks, though, were not necessarily like on Minshew, because some of them were even saying the receivers could have went and like, could have tried to wrestle that for control and stuff like that, because Minshew was throwing it into like tight spaces and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Minshew was doing pretty good. I think that's a, he's a solid backup, if not like a solid stand-in for Hertz if Hertz goes out. And plus, the you know Cowboys were celebrating and whatnot. But at the same time, like Cowboys, Cowboys fans, you you know you got to look at your defense because you had a team with their backup quarterback, mind you, throw thirty-four points on your team. Like they made you have to like go into like you know offensive mode, you know, and throw the ball and all that stuff. But yeah, Ceedee Lamb had a he had a, he definitely had a day with 120 yards and two touchdowns. So I think the Eagles need to um, look up into their defensive schemes as well in this case. But um, yeah, any anything else you wanted to add on from that game? Yeah, uh, and the main injury note that I took away from this one is Pro Bowl right tackle Lane Johnson out for the regular season at least with an ab injury. That's something to keep an eye on. Um, but also understanding the context with with what the Eagles are trying to do with these last two games, because they only need to win one more game to lock up that top seed, right? Mm-hmm. I don't, uh, I can't recall who they have next week. I think it's the let's see, they have the same the the Saints are visiting them at Lincoln Field, and so if they win that game against the Saints, you know they have the top seed, and yeah, anything on top of that is just extra. You don't, it's not you don't get extra credit in the NFL. And I've right? heard, I've heard like rumors. If not, if it hasn't been made official, I haven't checked as of late. Um, Hertz might actually just be sitting out for the rest of the season. Which I mean, I'm okay. I with think it. he's it on the. I think he's done enough. They and I think it's up to the team just to get at least one win with Minshew, which I I believe is possible. Yeah, and um, other injury notes for the Eagles. I think Avante Maddox is uh, injured, so they're going to have to. Um, but uh, I think it was C.J. Gardner Johnson. I think is scheduled to come back. So they're they got some they got some personnel changes coming in pretty soon. So hopefully, if they win any of these next two games, you know they'll get the the, the first round by. They'll get time to get healthy, and then they'll make their push. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So 
we'll you know we'll, let's see how let's see if they can at least get the top seed so they can at least get a bye week which will actually help for in Hertz's case I think it's still that strained shoulder and his throwing arm so I think they're just gonna rest him hopefully he gets an extra week and let's see what he does uh, next game Raiders at Steelers 13-10 Steelers we were both wrong Raiders you know I think we could just say Raiders are just a mess if they just don't stay consistent and run the ball and then throw after yeah I don't think there's uh, they they really have like identity issues or something like that because they they just kind of look like they don't know who they are when they play. I will say that Darren Waller is an absolute animal. He he had like a really a really good touchdown grab, but other than that, yeah, they're just kind of they they they're a mess. That's all you can say. Yeah. Um. Next game, Packers at Dolphins, twenty six twenty Dolphins. We were both wrong in this one, but we talked about you know one of the you know one of the key pieces of their offense and Tua going down with that concussion and of course throwing what was it yeah three picks in the fourth quarter even one pick will change the dynamic of a game you're throwing three picks in the last quarter of the game at that point you're just saying you want to lose in that, yeah, in that I, case by the stats anyway and uh, I think two of those picks the Packers converted to the six points that they won by yeah so you know there, there you go that's your that's your your um your turn of the tide right there Right, and of course they can. The Packers now have a chance to go into playoffs because they sit at seven and eight, tied with us and the Lions. So basically, we're all trying to get in. So we all need to win out and looking at people to lose. So we're all in the same boat at this point. Yep. Um, next game: Broncos at Rams. You know, Nickelodeon, the Nickelodeon special. Um, oh, he didn't want to cook that. <laughs> he didn't want to cook that. <laughs> I think he burned it, Patrick. But yeah, fifty-one fourteen Rams. Uh, Dude, that was right on that show. one, and the Broncos just giving up on me, and the Rams all of a sudden just said, "Yeah, we 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 have to get this win." Today. Dude, we have, we're a team, right? There was so much going on in that game, like offensive linemen and Brett Ripien were like shoving each other on the sideline. Ripien came in, like Russ got benched, and because I think he threw one touchdown and three picks, and uh, which good for him because now he has as many touchdowns as on the season as he has bathrooms which is something that we didn't expect to happen, which is kind of hilarious because he has he now has 12 touchdowns on the season. Man, but, that's, that's still such a shit show for the Broncos, though, man. 51 points got put on you. Like, Rams God, didn't, I don't defense. Think, Rams didn't. I don't think Rams ran once or Rams punted once. Cam Akers is just having, his, having a, a feast out there. Yeah, we're going to see what happens with the Rams, too, going forward after all these injuries they've been having, too. Um, but other than that, you know, uh, next game, Buccaneer, the Bucks at Cardinals. Nineteen sixteen Bucks. We were both right in this one, although I think we both think the Cards should have won that one. But the overtime and Tom Brady, you know, come on now. Yeah, I mean, it, Tom Brady had a chance to end it in reg, in in uh, regulation, but um, kind of came up short. But you, you, you know, you kind of expect him if he gets an opportunity to do it again, he'll do it again, and he did it in overtime. Oh yeah, man. Uh, Chargers at Colts, 20, uh, 20 to three Chargers. We were both right in this one. Nick Foles. Yeah. Nick Foles threw three picks, but, um, you know, who, who is the guy anymore? There really isn't a guy anymore. At there this is point. no guy, no, no coach, <laughs> nothing in, in Indianapolis right now. And it, that's why it's one of those situations like we were talking about, like which coaching job is the most ideal, um, yeah. for a, a new incoming candidate. Cause you got to think. Uh, I think there were rumors that were coming out that Sean Payton is kind of a, a, assembling like this all-star coaching staff too, like Vic Fangio as yeah. his defensive coordinator and that kind of thing. Like you got to think like what situation is best for a new coach to come in. You go into Colts and they just have a shit show from their organization side as well as like 
contracts they're paying to quarterbacks that don't even play on the damn team no more. You look at Broncos and they the only the storyline with any coach that comes in next season to coach the Broncos is going to be is this the man that fixes Russell Wilson? And yeah. you know a lot of coaches don't want that smoke. And then you look at a situation like the Panthers. I, I wouldn't be surprised if um, if Sean Payton gave Panthers a look. Same uh, division rival for uh, the Saints. You know, play him twice a year. Oh, He's got the. Damn. It's got a very moldable team. It just needs you know pieces here and there. You know, you got your key stalwarts like Brian Burns on defense. That will definitely. That that's one of the situations that will definitely hurt Steve Wilkes staying as a head coach there, especially with like the success they're having right now. Yeah, but I know the Panthers will be like Sean Payton, Sean Payton, Sean Payton. Okay, we we'll have, take him. Well, we've seen firsthand what he can do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so. Who do you think? I guess real quick, who do you think Sean Payton? Besides, I, I know Panthers is like number one. A lot of people have been saying go to the Panthers, which is weird to just go to like one another rival in the same division. But do you think any other teams would see this team that Sean Payton's putting together? He could go to. That's a good question. Uh, I would wonder if. What other teams are kind of low on the radar? Um, Broncos. Broncos. But then you also have teams like Arizona, if if Cliff Kingsbury steps down. Oh, I, please, I can see. Please, can no. See, Sean Payton probably could work wonders with um, well, have with to re- Kyler he, Murray. He has to rebuild the team. So I guess it's a question of like also of does he want to rebuild a team or take a team that already has a few pieces and go off from there? Because the Cardinals. Cardinal, and Cardinals we, have pieces. Like they got. They're, they're rebuilding. They're, they're rebuilding yeah. though, not Especially like a full the... scale rebuild, like from the ground up. But when you have a season like this, um, you have your quarterback, yes, but like you still need some. You, ha- you have no offensive stuff. line. Yeah, yeah, that's the big thing, right? Yeah, um, that that would be one. Maybe do you think Texans? But Texans would fire Lovey Smith before the end of the season, or sorry, it's, uh, Texans would fire Lovey Smith before the draft if they were doing that. Because if they have a new coach coming in, they want that new coach to have the their first choice as I to think Texans are going to hold fast on that new staff that they have, especially with the picks they have coming up. And I think give it another, at least another season or two, two at most, but one for sure. Um, but that, yeah, unless he comes back for the saints, some people say he'll just come back for the saints. Cause, but I know he left what he left at the saints to be there, but I'm not sure who else he, where he can go off the top of my head, like to where like he brings in a whole new coaching staff besides just himself. If they figure out a way to fire, uh, um, shoot, what's his name? I'm just blanking right now. Raiders coach, uh, Josh McDaniels. If yeah. they find a, if, that, if they figure out a way to fire Josh McDaniels, I could see that organization bringing Sean Payton in. I can see him going there too, but man, that'll be, that'll be something. But that's just something we'll, we'll have to see when it gets closer, and we we probably just going to be surprised anyway. Um, but yeah, I think with that, that's all the games we have. So if you want to go into the Week 17 game picks. Yeah, let's do it. First up, we got Cowboys at Titans. Who you got? Cowboys. Let's, yeah, let's I, not, I hate it. Don't front. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> if the Titans somehow beat the Cowboys with a Malik Willis at quarterback, um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna laugh though. Uh, yeah. Cards at Falcons. I I have to say, Cards. I hope they win. So I'm voting for them. Yeah, I'm gonna go the, Cards too. For the, mean, for the for the pick's sake. Until unless Falcons say, "Hey, we're also a team." <laughs> yeah. Steelers at Ravens. I got Steelers in this one. Yeah, same because, you know, Ravens, they have a good run game, but like Steelers have their quarterback in the one. And they also have a they also have a a rounded out defense a little bit now. Facts. Um, Next up, Bears at Lions. I think Lions are going to come back personally and then just win. Yeah, I think so, too. I think they kind of let out the blueprint last week as to how to how to contain the Bears offense, which is just, you know, do contain 
contain uh, pressures on Justin Fields and force him to throw. Yeah. Um, Jaguars at tech at Texans. This, this is, go- this is a, actually like it could go either way. Cause Texans defense has been kind of rounding out. I'm going to still stay on the Jag, uh, the Jags train right now. So who you think you're going with? You want, you want chaos. <laughs> I think, I think Jags, uh, 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 the one that's the one I lean towards more because I think Travis Etienne has been kind of like the, the, the saving grace for that team. I think it's really unlocked Trevor Lawrence, how much he's been able to take that weight yeah. off his shoulders. And at least with the Texans, they, they, they are figuring out the pieces that they at least, Hey, these are, these are some good pieces we picked up, you know, from, um, you know, from the draft and we just need to draft more because we're still, we have so many holes on the team. Oh, Next sure. up. Broncos at Chiefs. I don't think there's not much to say. We're both going and Chiefs on this. The one. good thing about this game is that the Chiefs still need to win so that they can maybe get that number one seed. So Chiefs are going to be trying to feel their best team. So I expect them to win. Even though the last time the Chiefs and Broncos played, it was a lot closer. Um, yeah. I, I think this one, will, I think Chiefs will come away with this one again. Also, I think for these Week 17 games, some games got switched up, by the way. I think, uh, I forgot who's the Sunday night primetime. I don't know if it's still uh ram it might still be rams at charge rams and chargers but Here, I, let me, I have the schedule pulled up really quick let me double check with that yeah because there were some schedule changes though for sure you can still you can still rattle off the other ones and just write my right of my, course uh, uh dolphins at patriots i see you put patriots there's yep. nothing wrong with that let me think here i'm gonna say dolphins still so I'm the gonna... sun sunday night primetime game on new year's day uh-huh. is uh pittsburgh at baltimore right Mm-hmm. And the Monday night game is Buffalo at Cincinnati. That's going to be the big game right there. Yeah, that that is that can just f up everything. Because I know Bills yeah. need a win. They need wins to get that top seed as well. So they both Bills and the Chiefs have to win to get that top seed. And then if Chiefs end up losing and Cincinnati ends up winning, then you have three teams that are eleven or twelve and four. Facts, and then they're all fighting <laughs> for the. I don't. I, it depends on this. I think it's if not. With the tiebreakers, if they if they've played each other, which they have, um, as well as uh, strength of schedule too. So yeah, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Um. Next up, Colts at Giants. That's a I Giants. Hate that. Yeah, I hate it. I just want everybody in the NFC to lose all the damn time. Right. Saints at Eagles. So this is funny, right? Because Eagles have Saints pick, so like they kind of shoot themselves in the foot by by beating them. But the Eagles also need to win to get to get the top seed too. I'm going to say Eagles. Looking, I think they're looking at that more. Well, yeah, than after I, well, from what I saw from that the Cowboys the Cowboys Eagles game, uh, Eagles are still a good a force to be reckoned with, even with Minshew at quarterback. So next yeah. up, Panthers at Bucks. Is this the first one we diverge on? I'm going to say Panthers. Nah, I like the Panthers more so than the Bucks at this stage because Bucks every time I that's not yeah every time I pick them they they just find ways to middle, be middling. Unless you let the Bucks stay in the game and it goes either to overtime or it's one of those last two couple of drive heroics. Yeah, I, I can't remember who tweeted it out, but they were saying that like whenever whenever I look at Tom Brady's face on the football field, he's got that I hate my job look on his face. Oh my gosh, <laughs> man. Um yes, that's true. Very true though. Um Browns at Commanders. Uh, I'm gonna say Commanders. I hate it, but uh I don't trust the Browns at this point, so I'm gonna go. I hope the Browns well. win. I, I hope Carson Wentz starts next week, throws four interceptions. So why don't you put your money where your mouth is? Put it on Browns. <sighs> you know, if you want the Browns win so bad. I'm going to say Browns. I think I already won our picks this year. so <laughs> it's, Yeah, it's at this point, it doesn't matter. Um, 49ers at Raiders. That's easy. Uh, that's 49ers. Easy 49ers are hot right now. There's not much else to say. Raiders are a shit show. 
Jets at Seahawks. I'm actually confident that the Seahawks can get a win. It'll be a tough game, but um, yeah, I think I think this if if there's a get right game at any point, you know, this, this is game. It. Yeah, uh, Vikings at Packers, and I think this is this a primetime game that we're looking no. at here. No, the primetime games are. Um, oh, you, you just Steelers, said you said Steelers the Sunday night and the yeah, yeah yeah. So it's still not a primetime game. I'm gonna go behind the Vikings. I know Packers are trying to play for something. Oh, but the Vikings defense. I am going to say Vikings because I don't want Packers to win. That is all I'm basing off my Basically, picks off right now. Yeah. Teams that I don't want to win. Yeah, but like at the, at the very least, Packers have figured out stuff now with who they have. But, you know, Vikings have had the Packers numbers before, but we'll see if they can do it again. Yeah. Uh, Rams at Chargers. The SoFi Bowl. The SoFi Bowl itself. I'm going to go with Chargers on this one. Dude, Chargers um, defense is actually starting to round up. I mean, Derwin James got ejected last game for having that that helmet to helmet hit mm-hmm. but like that defense is starting to round out a little bit now here's the big one i think we're going to divide on for sure bills Fuck at it. Bengals. i'm putting my money where my mouth is Bengals. i'm gonna say bills because i've been i've been leaning more towards the bills because i know they have like a, that chip on their shoulder from not from not getting past the chiefs beforehand so and i know you're on the Bengals because like they've been looking good and that was like we all know what you know Joe Shicey can do when he gets yeah. going. So. And that offensive line has finally kind of sorted itself out. I mean, I think they actually lost a, I think they lost the, uh, one of their linemen to injury. But um, in terms of like where they were at the beginning of the season, where they are now, mixed in with like the mix and run game and um, all the weapons they have and receivers, I think it's going to be a good game. Facts, man. Um, so that's it for all the week 17 picks. Um, we're just going to go into our little nice little send offs now. And, uh, I love to do this because I have to always mention it, but fantasy football, for me, um, it's funny. I gave up on fantasy. I have two fantasy teams. My ESPN one, that was because of a blunder in my in choosing who to start. I lost that one. And so I had the same issue <laughs> with my NFL playoff team. Um, I went into a playoff match by not uh one of the one of the players was inactive, so I have a big goose egg and one of my in one of my flex positions. And so I was like, you know what? I give up. I was like, you know what? I'm not looking at it. It's Christmas. I'm just going to spend the time with the family figure, you know, just get, uh, be prepared. Cause I'm actually holding the money for both of these. Uh, not, no, I'm holding the money for the ESPN one. But then like for this one, it's like, I'm not going to, I'm the only money I'm about to get is like for having the best running back and the best, uh, the best tight end in the, in it. But I took a look today, literally before we get, we, we got on this call for the uh for the podcast and i actually won by like five points um don't know don't know how i did this um i'm gonna have to thank you know austin eckler for like (laughs) again the the best running back in fantasy right now he he got me out of a bind um as well as uh mike williams as well but that was crazy because it was like the my opponent had 170 plus points and i'm sitting here like i need 50 something points to win but then Austin Eckler's like, I got you. Mike Williams, like, we also got you. And I have Dak Prescott who was throwing the ball a lot. So they had me. So um, <laughs> the, at the grand, you know, because, uh, yeah, it was Chris Olave that was uh, inactive for the the Saints and uh, the Browns game previously. So either way, oh, Ryan Sukup got me. They kept because of that, uh, the Bucks and the Arizona Cardinal game, by the way, nothing but field goals. Because it was 1916, yeah. was nothing but field goals, and I had Ryan. I started Ryan Sukup. Really? Yeah. It was. Not, he, he gave me nine. 
no, 16 points <laughs> in our league. So all the field goals in the world was helping me too. That's really what it, it was. It was those field goal. A kicker helped me win. <laughs> <laughs> hey, kickers are underappreciated. Next time you're drafting, first round pick goes to a kicker. Right, but the kickers, you just don't know what's going to happen in fantasy. But remember, everyone, never try so hard and things actually might go your way. <laughs> that's for sure. And that's all I have. What about you, man? Uh, not much. I mean, as Scott Hansen would say, we're heading into the witching hour, uh, in this case, the witching hour of the season. I don't remember, you know, in recent memory, a, a, a situation, you know, heading into the second to last week of the season where so much was still up for grabs, you know, like the, even like draft orders, like the wild card spots, who the top seeds are in both divisions still isn't locked up. There's a lot that can happen in these last two weeks and it's, it's going to make for some exciting football and some some exciting content that we'll we'll hopefully uh we'll hopefully cover coming in these couple weeks next couple weeks i was gonna say i was like i know from like the uh the seahawks um like from like the recent years with the seahawks we've always had like those that last game with the 49ers that would that would be determining where we were in like the nfc west and stuff like that if you remember those those years but yeah man it's nothing new you know nothing new and all that type of stuff so it's all good. You know, it's all good. So either way, um, it's been it's been a really good week. I hope everyone out there again has had a great Christmas. And then, of course, you know, be safe out there when you're celebrating whatever you need to celebrate, uh, whether if it's not New Year. But um, yeah, hopefully everyone has like their New Year's resolutions ready to go for next year. But that's all, you know, that's all from us here at from the Mistreps podcast, as we like to say. Again, thank you for joining us. Um, thank you for all the listeners that have been consistent with us. Um, we see we see the stats. Thank you. Uh, hey, by the way, if you could just like rate us five stars each episode, just five stars. You know, it goes so it goes so far for us in terms of pushing the podcast up. Um, and also, just be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're on. By the way, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram with the handles at Miss Reps. And we hope to see you again next week. Peace.